0: Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org.
1: Today, as we gather to worship, we're going to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do so by wrapping up a series that we've been in all month called Righteous Christmas. And as we've been in this series, we've talked about a number of different things related to the Christmas story. We began by talking about some right expectations that we could have because Jesus has come. And then Pastor Bruce walked us through the right place for the birth of Jesus. Why Bethlehem and the significance of that little town? And then we talked about the right time and how Jesus came and was born at the fullness of time, at just the right moment, God sent him into the world to offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And then just a few days ago on Christmas Eve, we talked about how Jesus is the right person, how we might have a favorite in the nativity where we identify with the shepherds or with the wise men or with Mary or with Joseph, but the reality is the miracle of Christmas is that God is offering us the opportunity to identify not with one of those members of the nativity, but to identify with Jesus himself. That When we trust in him, the righteousness of Christ is credited to our account. And so we've been talking all month about the righteous Christmas, and we're going to continue that or conclude that conversation today as we talk about the right plan, the plan that God has both for our salvation and for us to be able to share that message with others. And we're going to do that by looking at uh, the story that Jeff so wonderfully shared with us earlier about the shepherds and the angels and the shepherds' visit to Bethlehem. And so, we're going to read those verses first, and then we're going to back up and, and, and see a few things uh, from those verses together today. you've got a Bible, you might want to take it out and open to Luke chapter 2. If you don't, we have the verses on the screen here behind me, but it's important for us before we get to verse 8 to understand the context. Luke is telling the story of the birth of Jesus, and in the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, we find out that Mary and Joseph went from Nazareth, the town in the north, to to Bethlehem because of a census that had been declared for them to return to their ancestral homes. And they had gone there, and it was there in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ. And God, after this birth, wanted to give a, a birth announcement To the people, and he did so, as Jeff said, not through taking out an ad in the newspaper, but by sending angels to make declaration in the sky. And that's what we see happening beginning in verse 8 of chapter 2. It says, "...in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear." But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Now, in these verses, we see something of the right plan that God has to offer us at Christmas time—the plan for our salvation, as well as uh, the plan for us to share this message with others. And we're going to to see that story kind of unfold for us as something we can respond to and do something with by by looking at four different words in this story, four different words that we're going uh, to to look at to to help us make sense of this. And so when we get to each of these words, uh, I'm going to say it, and then I want us to say it together to help us really zero this truth into our hearts and into our lives, okay? So the first word that we have in this story is the word Savior. Can you guys say that with me? Savior. The first word we have here is Savior. Now, that word is is uttered by the angels who make this proclamation to the shepherds who were out tending their flocks in these fields. Now, it's it's, it's interesting when when you think about this. Once again, we have to get out of Bible mindset at times when we read the Bible because we read the Bible and we see angels talking to shepherds and we're so familiar with that story that we're like... Of course, that's what happens when the shepherds get in the fields, the angels get in the sky and they talk. But for the shepherds, this was very rare. As a matter of fact, it happened one time. The angels showed up in the sky and they spoke to these shepherds one time and they declared this message to them. That's why the shepherds were afraid. They were afraid because there were angels in the sky and they had never seen that before. And so they were very afraid. But the angel said, hey, don't fear because we have good news of great joy for you. There's something fantastic that has just happened. And verse 11 tells us what that fantastic thing is. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's our word. The Savior had been born. Now, This is a very important idea, a very important concept, because the Jewish people had been waiting and hoping for a Messiah for a very long time. God had given promise after promise, prophecy after prophecy about one day Messiah coming and restoring the nation and providing for them in a big way and providing a covering them. For their sins. This is what God had, had promised to his people. And they had waited and wondered when will Messiah come? When will he come? Will he come in my lifetime or in my kids' lifetime? They had waited and they had wondered when that time would be. And when the angels showed up in the sky, they were saying, The time is now. There's no more waiting. Messiah has come. And it, Messiah is described as a savior. Now, that's a very significant description of Jesus, and it points to specifically what Jesus was going to accomplish as he was born in Bethlehem and living out his 33-year life on the planet at that time. See, by calling Jesus the Savior, what they were highlighting was what Jesus was going to offer as forgiveness from their sins. Jesus was to be their spiritual Savior before he would restore the nation. He would provide for them spiritually before they would be provided for physically. Jesus had come as their Savior. And really, what we find when we see that is that their number one problem in Israel at that that time was sin. Their number one problem was sin. Their number one problem was not the Romans, their number one problem was not their economy. Their number one problem was was not their perception among the other nations or regions of the world. Their number one problem at that point in time was their sin. Therefore, the very first thing Jesus would do was he would come to offer his life as a sacrifice for their sins so that they might be forgiven and reconciled to God. Jesus came and offered himself as a Savior. And from the very beginning, it was clear in the context of this declaration to the shepherds that Jesus had come to do something about their number one problem, which was sin. See, the shepherds out there in those fields had spent their time tending sheep, and it's very probable that the sheep that they were tending were sheep that were being raised to be offered as sacrifices for the Passover. That's what those, those sheep's job was, and that's what those shepherds' job was, was to, to care for these animals so that they could be offered as a sacrifice for sin. The, the angelic declaration to the shepherds was, was not so much a declaration saying that the shepherds were so great they had caught God's attention, but it was much more of a declaration that Jesus had come to do something about sin, The shepherds were seen as ceremonially unclean because they were always stepping in something following these sheep around. They wouldn't let them in the temple. They were considered unclean. They were guarding animals who were being raised to be offered as sacrifices for sin. See, there's there's the smell, the aroma of sin around those shepherds. And the announcement comes to them because it was a reminder that Jesus came to be a Savior. Their number one problem in Israel was sin. And you know what the reality is as we gather here this morning, friends? You know what our number one problem is? Number one problem, it's sin. If you're here and you are in elementary school, your number one problem is sin. If you're here and you're in high school, your number one problem is sin. If you're here and you are post-high school somewhere, your number one problem is sin. Therefore, the angelic declaration that Jesus came to be a Savior is a wonderful thing. See, many times we think that our number one problem is ISIS or our number one problem is the, the price per barrel of oil or our number one problem is the illness that we are facing or the number one problem is, is, is the, the relationship that's, that's, that's struggling. See, many times we think that our number one problem is something else and so we're disappointed when we, we find out that life is hard. And we feel like God has abandoned us. But we need to be, need to remember, we need to remember that our number one problem, our number one need is sin. Because so many other things fan off of sin in our lives. See, sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what separates us from one another. See, God is perfect and holy, and, and we're not. And that 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 we're not part is what the Bible calls is sin. It's what separates us from God. It's what separates and isolates us from one another. It's what causes the child to lie to his parents. It's what causes the husband to lie to his wife. It's what causes the angry reaction that is unwarranted. It's it's what what causes the frustration or the alcoholism or the whatever in your life. Sin is the number one problem that we face. It is the problem that will, will greatly impact our eternity. And so, when the angels come in the sky, they say that Jesus is the Savior. He's the one that has come to do something about our number one problem, and that is sin. Jesus came. He was born. He would live a perfect life, and then He would go to the cross as a sacrifice for our sins so that we might be forgiven. He came as our Savior. Now, The angels told the shepherds that there was a way that they could find this Savior. And they say that you will find Him wrapped in cloths and and lying in a manger. He was a baby. Now, think about this. It's important that the the angels would have given that clarification to the shepherds because if the shepherds had been told, guess what? The Savior has shown up and He's in Bethlehem. Who would they have gone to Bethlehem expecting to see? A man. They would have gone there expecting to see a grown man. They would have, have gone there expecting to go to the, to the finest house, the best place to stay, the place where there's a crowd of people and at the center of the, that crowd was, was the best looking, the smartest, the most intelligent, the strongest, the biggest man, and that man was who they might have expected to find as the savior of the world. But the angels were very clear. They said, no, the one that you're looking for is going to be wrapped in cloths and lying in a horse trough. Without that clarification, they wouldn't have ID'd him. But it was important for the angels to say that Jesus was, was, going, was there as, as an infant because it's a reminder for us that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God from the moment. He walks into the scene. He doesn't become that later on. He was, he was the Son of God eternally. He was born right there in Bethlehem, and He was Jesus from the beginning. And they were to go, and they were to see Him, and they were to be reminded that the Savior was there. You know, we gather here today, friends, we gather here today as people who need to be reminded that the Savior has come. Your number one problem, whether you're in preschool or whether you are um, retired, is sin. And Jesus came to be your Savior and my Savior. The first thing we need to remember is this word. Let's say it together. Savior second word. C. C. Can you say that with me? See. Now, we see that in verses 15 and 16. And, and when I say see, because the shepherds, upon hearing this news that the Savior had been born, they did not stay in the fields. They didn't go, well, that was interesting. I think we'll just stay here and count sheep some more. They didn't say, you know what, we're a little busy right now watching our flocks. Maybe we'll have time to go and and check this news out later. No, when they got the news, they immediately went and checked it out. We see this in verses 15 and 16. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and what? See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went to go see Jesus, to go check him out. Can you imagine how the story would be different if the shepherds had just ignored that opportunity? The story would be so different if the shepherds had just said, wow, that's interesting, and stayed there. We probably wouldn't sing songs about them. Right? They wouldn't be a part of our nativity scene because they would still be out in the fields. But instead, the shepherds are people that we're curious about and interested in because they didn't stay out in the fields. Upon hearing the news, they came and they checked it out. They saw with their own eyes. They, they investigated to find out more about Jesus. And here's the reality for us as we gather here in this room. We need to be reminded that upon hearing the good news about Jesus that we shouldn't stay out in the fields either, but we should go and check it out. You know, there are probably some in this room who have, have uh, never placed their faith and their trust in Christ. They're, they're here today. You're here today because somebody invited you. You're, you're staying with somebody for Christmas, um, and you're in town, and you feel like you had to come. And so you're here, and you thought you were going to get out of it with the weather, but we had church anyway. And so here you are, and, and you're here this morning, and you're thinking, wow, okay, what, what does this mean? Well, the reality is that a declaration has come to you from God, from Scripture, from 2,000 years ago, and this Scripture is saying that a Savior was born, Jesus Christ, the one who is the Son of God. And upon hearing that announcement, It's it's my prayer and hope that you don't stay in the field. You don't go, well, that was interesting and nice, and maybe at some point later on I'll have time to think about that. But that you would reorganize part of your 2016. You would reorganize part of the rest of your Christmas break to go and investigate who Jesus is. You might pick up uh, a Bible and read uh, the Gospel of John, for instance, just a few pages. Find out a little more of who Jesus is. Or, or you might get a book like Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ and go in, and see who Jesus is and see the evidence of the historical person of Christ and his death and resurrection and how that stands up against the test of history. You might be able to take a look at that. That You, you would not spend time uh, this Christmas merely hearing again this declaration, but you would go and you would investigate it. You would go see the truth of the reality of Christ. You know, for, for others of us, maybe you've, you've wandered away from, from God this year. You, you've heard this in the past. You know that it's significant, but you just have, have kind of lived your life recently away from God. And, and my, my prayer for, for if that describes you is that you would not head into 2016 going with business as usual, your plan for fourth quarter 2015, but that there will be a spiritual change. That your, your desire for 2016 would not just be to get in better shape physically or to get in better shape relationally or, or whatever it is that you have in, in mind for the new year, but that you also would, would think about reconnecting with Christ. That you would go and having heard this declaration, you would go and see who Jesus is. That you would would pick up a Bible and read it. One of the things that, that I have uh, that I go through is a, is a one-year chronological Bible where I'm able to read the Bible in a year. You can find one, put it on your phone or your iPad or something like that, or you could buy a, a, you know, a real hard copy book. They still print those. Um, and and you, could, you could look through that and read about uh, the Scripture this year so that you could understand more of who Jesus is, that you could go see who he is and reconnect with him in that way. You might be here and you might be a, a child. You know what? My, my son, my eight-year-old son, he has this thing called a, an action Bible. It's basically like a big comic book that has the stories of the Old and the New Testament, and he he reads it at night, and he wants me to read it with him. It's a, a great chance, regardless of your age, if you're in the room today, that you have an opportunity to go and see Jesus this year and, and read about him and, and connect with him to investigate this claim that he's the Son of God, he's the Savior of the world, that you can go and and check that out. You know, it might be for others reconnecting with uh, uh, your small group in student ministry or, or reconnecting with a small group of adults going to group once that you heard at the, about at the beginning of the service, that there might be an opportunity to connect with others to see who Jesus is again. See, we've, we've seen a couple of things already today. The first thing we saw is what? Jesus is the Savior, First service was quicker. Uh, savior. And the second word is what? See, right? So these are two things that we, we have seen so far. But our third word is this, share. Very good. You just jumped right in there. I appreciate that. Share, right? The third word we have today is share. And I love this, this picture because the shepherds, upon hearing such great news, they did not just keep it to themselves. They didn't just keep it to themselves. They went and they they shared it with others. We see this in the latter latter verses here in 17 and 18. It says, and when they saw it, the shepherds, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds, upon hearing this news, were sharing it with others. They were sharing it with Mary and Joseph. They were, they were sharing it later on. We, they shared it with Luke, who wrote it down in the gospel. They were sharing it with people in the, in the town, and, and those they came in contact with, they were sharing this truth that Jesus had been born. And you know, what we see there is that sometimes there is news so good, you just can't keep it to yourself. Sometimes there's a, there's a story so good you just have to share it with somebody else. You know, we have this experience at at my house at uh, holidays, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, where my sister and I will we'll start talking and we'll be telling stories and we'll be like, hey, did you see this skit on Jimmy Fallon or whatever? And I'm like, no, I didn't see that. Oh, you've got to see it. And so she'll pull it up on her phone and we'll, we'll watch it. And I'm like, oh, you haven't seen... This other one, oh, you got to see this, and you know there's some things that are just too good not to share, right? And we share them back and forth. Does your family ever do this? Anything like this? Sometimes there's there's stories that are just too good not to share. And you know what? We need to be reminded that the story of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us, the fact that He is the Savior that we have seen in Scripture, the one that, that loves us and who cares for us and who came and died for us, that that is a story that is too good not to to share. That's a story that we want to share with others. Sometimes we don't think of it that way. Sometimes we're, we're much more likely to share other things. And we're, we're familiar with this concept of sharing in a social media age, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. We're very used to the concept of sharing. But sometimes we forget that the best news of all is also worth sharing with others. And I was thinking about stories that are too good not to share um, my friend Charlie Pasch shared on, on, on Facebook uh, a story the other day that I saw, and, and, and it moved me, and, and I, w- I wanted to share it with others, and, and I want to I even share it with you now. So, go me and watch.
0: Coach Peter Morales of the Coronado High School Thunderbirds in El Paso, okay. Texas, Houston, baby, makes no qualms about it. About it. He has a favorite on this team. Mitchell, I need you. I need you to help me out with my coaching tits, Mitchell. Team manager Mitchell Marcus has a developmental disability. One, two, three, man. And he far surpasses everyone here when it comes to love of the game.
1: He's this amazing person that our basketball team loves being around.
0: Mitchell's mom, Amy, says he's always been that way. Mitchell always had a basketball that was always what he wanted for his birthday. And because basketball is that important to him, on the last game of the regular season, the coach told Mitchell to suit up. What was it like to put on the uniform?
1: I was very happy. I
0: imagine you were. Just wearing a jersey was enough for Mitchell. But what he didn't know, what no one knew at the time, was that the coach planned to play him. At the end, no matter what the score. You were prepared to lose that game? For his moment, yes.
1: For his moment in time, yes.
0: And so with a minute and a half left, Coronado leading, but only by 10. Coach Morales put in his manager
1: and just started hearing Mitchell, Mitchell.
0: But here's where the fairy tale fell apart. Although his teammates did everything they could to get Mitchell a basket, each time they passed him the ball, he either missed the shot or like on their last possession, booted it out of bounds, turning the ball over to the other team with just seconds left. He wasn't going to be able to score, but I was hoping that he
1: was happy, that he was just put in the game.
0: Could you have ever imagined what happened next? No, I did
1: I could not. Not at all.
0: What happened next happened on the inbound. The guy with the ball there is a senior at Franklin High School. Number 22, Jonathan Montanez.
1: Uh, just, I was raised to treat others how you want to be treated. I just thought Mitchell deserved his chance, deserved
0: his opportunity. I think I'll cry about it for the rest of my life. What Jonathan did was yell out Mitchell's name, then threw the ball right to it. Right there. One of the most memorable turnovers of all time. It wasn't the game-winning shot. When the buzzer sounded, Coronado had 15 more points than Franklin. But Jonathan's assist and Mitchell's basket did change the outcome decidedly play any game with this much sportsmanship, both teams win. Steve Hartman, on the road, in El Paso, Texas.
1: There are some stories that are just too good not to share, right? And you can imagine with a story like that, if you were Mitchell's mom, you would even be more likely to share that story, wouldn't you? Because of how it's not just a good story, but it's a good story that is personal to you. Here's the reality, folks. When we think about what Jesus has done for us, we have the best thing that has ever happened, and it's happened to us personally. And not only that, but the Son of God has offered to offer His life as a sacrifice, not just for you and for me, but for everybody else in our lives. That is a story that is too good not to share. Sometimes we, we, we shy away from sharing the good news about Jesus with others because we forget what great news it really is. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that we have this privilege of sharing this with others. Now, now what does it look like for us to, to share that? And this is something that applies to everybody in this room, young and old alike. This applies to us. Because all of us, God has placed people in our lives, our brothers and sisters, moms and dads, friends, co-workers, neighbors, the people that we see regularly in whatever circles we run in, God has placed people around us. And here's the thing, God has placed them around us, and you know what? God loves them with an everlasting love, and he sent his son Jesus to die for them, and we have the opportunity to share that story with them. There are some stories that are simply too good not to share. And so the challenge for us as we head into 2016 is is what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to share this story with others? For some, it will be inviting a friend to come to church with you, saying, hey, why don't you come and join us as as we worship and we talk about Jesus? Because this story is not just a story for me, but it's a story for you too. For others, it might be sharing a book with a friend or, or, or an article or, or a verse, just an encouragement. It might be coming alongside someone who's, who's struggling at some point in their life that you know of and being able to pray for them and point them to Christ in the midst of their crisis. There are all these different ways that we can share what God has done for us through Christ. And in the shepherds, we see a reminder that that's the way it's been from the beginning. We've seen. That Jesus is the Savior, that we have the opportunity to go in, see Him, and we get to share this truth with others. Our last word is sing. And sing. Thank you. Yeah, sing. And when we, we think about that, we don't know for sure uh, that the shepherds sang, um, but they certainly glorified God. And one of the ways that we glorify God is by is by singing. In verse 20, it says that the, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. They declared back to God thanks for what they had seen. Now, what, what, did, they, what did they say exactly? What did they sing? Well, obviously, they sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing because that's, they were angels. It was their theme song. Um, no, we, they didn't do that. It was 1,800 years later that song was written. Um, but but they, they probably were praising God in different ways. And when we gather at Christmas time, when we gather throughout the year, we have the privilege and the opportunity of praising God, of saying thanks back to him for the love that he has shown us, of, of magnifying him based on his character and who he is. We have this great, great privilege of glorifying and praising God. And that's how we're going to wrap up our time together today. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the chance to worship today. I thank you for this group of people that you have gathered here today to to, to hear this story again. Father, thank you for the reminder that Jesus is the Savior who takes care of our number one problem, which is sin. And Father, I pray for all of us here that we all would would take notice of that, that we all would, would see it and recognize it for what it is. Father, for some, I pray that you would give them the faith, even where they sit right now, for the very first time, to trust in the person of Jesus Christ. To to see him not just as a Savior in general, but to see him as their Savior. That you would give them the faith to, to trust him, to embrace him, and to have their eternity changed as a result. And that can happen in a moment where they sit right now. Father, I pray that some would see Jesus and respond in that way. I pray for, for others of us, Father, that, that we would be reminded to come back and marvel again at all that you have done for us in Christ and all that you are. And Father, that we would recognize and remember that this is a story too good not to share and that you would help bring to mind the people in our lives and the opportunities and the situations where we might be able to, to share with others the good news of who Jesus is as well. And, Father, I pray for all of us that from the core of who we are, from the depths of our soul, that we would be glorifying and magnifying you, that we would praise your name as we sing and as we we live out our lives. And, Father, even as we sing now of the amazing grace that you offer us in Christ. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.